Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now. Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Monday, April 27th edition of the Sheila Zelinsky Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in from around the globe, and a big shout out to all the listeners over there at Worldwide Christian Radio. For those of you that don't know this, my mother was given a vaccination. They called it at the time a preventive measure for the H1N1 that was rampant a few years ago. Anyway, they gave her a an injection. She was very sick, so she went into an emergency. They gave her an injection. 48 hours later, she was walking to her car. She hit the ground, and she's never moved from the neck down again. And so there's been a, a long battle with what has happened to my mom as a result of that. She is a full-blown quadriplegic and she's on life support. She cannot breathe on her own. And uh, it's been quite an ordeal. My brother was 34 years old when he was put on an experimental drug by the same company that came out with the Tamiflu vaccination. And 24 hours later, he was dead after that medication. So people wonder why I rail against vaccinations, flu shots, all of it. It is very evil. It's atrocious what they have in these medications. And I'm telling you today, folks... No one has more of a passion towards these nefarious flu shots and vaccinations. So folks, I'm telling you right now today, do not get your children immunized, vaccinated. Do not let them stick those needles in your children's arms, folks. I'm telling you right now, these things are deadly. These things are massively afflicting people's health. And I'm telling you to the point of death. People just don't blindly take this stuff. you got to do your research, and I ask you to really look into this stuff. So I took the week off to be with my mother, who was in ICU and was not doing very well. She was completely unresponsive. And like I said, it's been a battle uh, since this happened to my mom. The doctor says it's just, it's just by the grace of God she's still even alive. So we thought we had lost her last Monday, and um, she was totally unresponsive. They did a brain scan. And I went down there to personally pray and I I laid hands on her and 
And I'll tell you, she did a big turnaround in the next few days. So thank you for keeping me and my family and your prayers, especially my mom. And I very much appreciate it. So folks, on with the show. My guest today is one of my favorite powerhouse men of God. As most people know, I had an incredible chance of meeting him in person. It was so amazing to meet him in Idaho last fall. It was such a blessing. And he's here to talk about a new series he's working on and in a very exciting event coming up, which we'll get into at the end of the program. My guest really needs no introduction. Augusto Perez from Appearance Ministries. Welcome, Augusto. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Well, it's good to be with you, Sheila. Once again, thank you. Well, Augusto, I was very grieved in my spirit this weekend. I posted a very simple message on Facebook on Saturday. I said, if anyone has pain in your body right now, instant message me. Well, Augusto, I thought I might you know, maybe get about four or five requests, you know, if somebody had really chronic pain for healing. But Augusto, I got over 213 responses, and I still have more messages coming in, more messages saying, you know, pray for my wife because she has chronic pain. My granddaughter has autism. My husband has a hernia. I mean, Augusto, it went on and on and on, and I, I was actually sickened. And so, Augusto, here's the thing. The Lord showed me that we are really in a famine in terms of what people understand about prayer and what people understand about our authority. We need to be teaching people how to pray because this really opened my eyes because really people ought to be praying for their wives and their husbands and their kids and their grandkids themselves and expecting God to move, not depending on Sheila, Augusto, their pastors, their the ordained reverend over in the corner. I was really stunned. And it's really very crucial, especially with the things that are coming upon us. I mean, we are in such dark times. There's no other option here but prayer. And people have to learn how to do it effectively, don't they? Yes, absolutely. And um, we started, you know, that series with on prayer, piercing the darkness. The first thing that people need to have, Sheila, is they have to have a solid foundation of who they are, their identity in Christ. The number one reason why people cannot pray effectively, and there are ways, you know, there are things we can teach them, you know, the one, two, threes, and so forth, but the main problem people have is lack of identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know their identity in Christ. They don't know their inheritance, their heritage. So these are revelations that we need to have. Otherwise, our prayers will be ineffective. They will be powerless. And this is the problem that the church has today because they, they're not being taught this. All they're being taught mostly is, you know, God loves you, you're good, you know, blah, 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 that kind of thing. And that is all nice. You know, it's kind of, um, it's kind of candy. You know, it's, it's like, I call it preacher's candy, but it doesn't do a lot to help the people. And so the people need to have a foundation of who they are. We are, we are not just born again believers. People need to know that once they're born again into the family of God, once they are sealed with the spirit, they are now kings and priests. First Peter 2, 5, we are, and First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Our primary responsibility is to talk to God and then talk to men for the Lord. And so this cannot happen without the people having a proper relationship with uh, with the almighty so it starts with relationship it starts with identity it starts with faith 
People don't have faith. People today have a little, very little faith in their prayers. And so that is huge when you begin to realize that, you know, how powerful prayer can be. But if there is no faith, then we are really in trouble. And so it begins with, you know, little baby steps. People need to begin to take little baby steps before they take bigger steps. You know, a child, a baby has to learn how to crawl before they learn how to walk and then they learn how to run. And so a prayer is the same way. People start small. They start by uh, praying, you know, uh, short prayers. They start by exercising their uh, spiritual muscles, their faith, asking the Lord for small things, and then have them write them on a piece of paper and say, the Lord answered this prayer. No, he answered this prayer. He answered that prayer. Their faith begins to be built up. Then they begin to put on some more weight on those, you know, on those weights that they're lifting. And, you know, it's, it's just like when a person goes to the gym. You begin to add pounds to the weight that you're lifting. You know, you may start with five pounds, and then you put 10 pounds, then 15, 20 pounds, and before you know, you're lifting a lot of weight. Well, prayer is the same way. Faith is the same way. You start small, you know, with a small amount of weight, and then the Lord will begin to add on to you. Then you, you begin to have faith to pray for others. You begin to have faith to lay hands on the sick, and they're going to recover. You begin to have faith to cast out a devil. You begin to have faith to pray against obstacles that come uh, in your life. And then you begin to see those things, you know, taken care of. Uh, because your faith is being developed. This is the need of the hour. This is one of the main reasons why we started doing that series on uh, piercing the veil. That is our objective, pierce the veil. That means we, you know, we touch the throne. We cross the veil. You know, I refer to the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. It's what separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And then the high priest pierced that veil. He went through that veil once a year, okay? We don't have to wait only once a year. We can do this every day, every moment, because the veil was torn from top to bottom when the Messiah died, okay? That's what the scriptures say. So there is no hindrance. There is no obstacles. We can come boldly into the throne room of the Father, okay? So this is uh, very important, but most believers don't know how to do it. They, They either don't believe that they are fit, they don't believe that they are holy enough. They don't believe that they are strong enough or worthy. So all these things, they take away. They rob people of their faith. Another thing that robs people of their faith, Sheila, is fear. Fear and unbelief work together. When we walk around with lots of fear, and, you know, I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on, you know, and, and we've talked about many of those things, you know, the Jay Helm and the crisis, economic crisis, and all these things will bring fear to the people. You know, we need to know these things. We need to be aware. You know, the Bible says, watch and pray. So we have to watch. The problem is that watch is all some people do. They All they do is watch. They don't pray. And so we have to do both watch and pray. And we cannot focus on the negatives because that will rob the people of their faith and bring fear. Fear brings torment, but perfect love casteth out fear. Fear and unbelief work together. They are like relatives. They go hand in hand. Fear will rob people of their faith through unbelief. Why? Because if we have fear, we are basically telling the Lord, 
Lord, I don't believe that you can handle this. I don't believe that you're strong enough to protect me. I don't believe that my prayers can do anything, you know. And so that is what happens when we walk in fear. So this is one of the main problems that we are facing uh, today in the world because there are so many bad things happening that is just incredible. It's really overwhelming. Well, you're right. When you are in fear, you're not in faith. And that's one of the biggest things that Jesus said all the time. It's over and over, fear not. It's a very mm-hmm. timely message indeed. And sadly, you're right. People don't understand their authority. And that is what Jesus said to the centurion. It was He was stunned. He said, I have not seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Why was Jesus so amazed at that? Because the centurion said, pay attention to this, folks. He said, I am a man above many, many men. I tell this one to go and he goes. I tell that one to go and he goes. He said, Jesus, just say the word. And that, you know, Jesus was quite stunned there. And yet people say, oh, ISIS, ISIS this and Jade Helm this. And I say to people all the time, Augusto, forget nuclear weapons and all these DARPA advanced weapons. We are weapons of mass destruction. ISIS should be deadly afraid of Holy Ghost filled born again believers with the power to cast out devils and raise people from the dead. So what is wrong with this picture, Augusto? Well, you're absolutely right. It's a lack of identity, lack of knowing who we are. And, you know, we are people that have five senses, okay? The Bible says not to walk by our senses, but to walk by faith, not to walk by sight. Well, sight is one of our senses. We have this, the, the eye gate, we, we have the ear gate, and we have the feel, touch, smell, and taste. Okay, everything that humanity receives, every input, every sensory input comes through those five gates. Okay, the problem is that if that is all that we have, if that is all the only way we walk, then we are not walking by faith according to the scriptures. If we are walk, if we walk by faith, then we have to walk beyond the senses. Okay, we don't walk by the senses. We are not sensory spiritual people. We are people of the spirit. We are people of faith. Faith says one thing, our sensory is telling us something else. This is the problem. This is the conflict, Sheila. This is the conflict. This is the problem with people being sick, for example. Let's take that for a moment. A person that is sick looks at themselves. They look at their disease. They look at their problem, okay, at their pain, and they're feeling this thing is real. They're not imagining it. It's real. However, they, what they don't realize is that the Bible, the Word of God, okay, which cannot lie because God backs His Word, okay, He backs it Himself. He said, my Word that goes out of my mouth, I will fulfill. If we, if we really had a revelation of that, then we would realize that faith is more powerful than these other realities. You know, what the Word of God says is more powerful than these other realities because they, these realities are based on sensory you know, perception, what we, what we are receiving through our senses. So it is a truth based on circumstance. It is not absolute truth. Absolute truth is we are healed. That is the absolute truth. 
Well, how come I'm still in pain? Well, that is, you know, the sensory reality. That is the circumstantial reality. But the, the truth of the matter is that <laughs> the Lord has delivered us from the powers of darkness. He has delivered us from sin. He has delivered us. He has set us free. He has set the captives free. All we have to do basically is manifest that truth, that absolute truth, manifested in our reality. So the, it, it is a very, it, it takes a while to wrap your mind around that, but it is the way that the Father wants us to think and the way he wants us to operate. Because this other way that Christians uh, operate, Sheila, is very carnal, is very worldly, and it is the way most Christians operate, which is in the flesh. The Bible says that they that walk in the spirits, they are the sons of of God. So we are called to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, not by the sensory perceptions, not by what we, you know, by the things we feel, by what we are seeing. Yes, those things tell us a reality of the, of the circumstance, a circumstantial truth, but it doesn't tell us absolute truth. The absolute truth is, like you say, we are above those things. You know, greater is he that is in us than him that is in the world. So that is the absolute truth. So the key is, and this is the challenge, is to make that absolute truth our truth, to live by that absolute truth and not by all these other truths that are, are telling us everything different, you know, are telling us you're sick, you're going to die, you know, you're not going to make it, this thing is not going to change, circumstances are not going to, you know, all these things help to bring about depression, help to bring about lack of faith, help to make the people unbelieving Christians because they're going by what they see. They're going by what they feel. They're going by what they hear. And so this is the problem, and this is the great challenge that I see for the church right now. You're so right because we are to operate by faith, not by sight. We are not supposed to be ruled and governed by our senses, by logic, by reason. People are calamity-led, they're circumstances-led, they're head-led, they're everything but Holy Spirit-led. And we really need to understand that that scripture that says, Seek ye first the kingdom. What else does it say there? People always kind of speed right over that. And his righteousness and all these other things. I like what you say. You said, If you doubt, you will pout and do without. People are really in a lot of doubt. I like the analogy you said, Augusto. It's kind of like if you have a million bucks in the bank and you're living in abject poverty. I used to say, if you have a Mercedes Benz sitting out in your driveway and you're taking the bus, it, it's an analogy that's saying you have access to the very kingdom and yet people are not operating in their authority. They are not appropriating it, are they? That's right. That's right. You know, we, we are not really living in our kingdom rights. We are not de really developing our abilities, our giftings, our talents. You know, all over the scriptures, there's many revelations and many truths contained therein that says that we have, as Christians, have not exercised our our senses correctly. We are not. We have not exercised our discernment. We have not exercised our gifts of healing. We have not exercised our talents and abilities. And so we don't realize that the devil is a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. And he comes to do all, all those things. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Son of God came to give us life abundantly, okay? So every one of these circumstances, okay, 
that people may find themselves in. They're sick. They're broke. Their marriage is in shambles. Their children are, are in bad shape. You know, they're in the world and doing things. All these things, we have to realize who is doing them. The enemy did this. And so we have to wage a battle. We have to wage basically a legal battle against the enemy. He came to and, and stole from us. So we have basically, we have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, like the widow. And I was sharing about that last week. You know, the widow came to the judge and she, you know, was bringing accusations against, you know, the person that was harming her. So we have to do the same. We have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, the enemy's done this. The enemy's done that. He's causing sickness. He's causing disease. He's stealing, you know, the blessing that you've given me. He's stealing, you know, and you bring these charges into the court of, uh, of, of the Lord. This is a legal battle. And so you call that attention, you know, you call it to his attention. You have to make, you know, we have to make a case against the powers of darkness. And we stand upon the word and you, we bring the word, you know, we bring the word to the Lord. Lord, you said this. You said this. The word is written. It is written. This is how Jesus Christ fought the devil. He has to be back to the word. The word cannot return empty. The Lord will back his word. All the time, he will back his word. And so the word of God is one of our main weapons. It is the sword of the spirit. And we have to learn the word. We have to know the word. We have to know what is ours. We have to know our inheritance. We have to know our, you know, how to wage warfare. We have to know the, the pieces of our armor. We have to know our rights. We have to know what we can do, what we cannot do, what is legal, what is not illegal. These are things that every child of God needs to know in order to wage uh, proper uh, warfare in, with your prayers. Like you said, Sheila, prayer is very powerful, extremely powerful. If the people knew how powerful prayer is, we would see a lot more prayer going on. Prayer is very powerful. Prayer can stop the enemy dead cold. Prayer can change circumstances. Prayer can, can bring about miracles, can bring about an invasion from the spirit realm, from the heavens to the earth, okay? Every time we see a prayer answered, it's a miracle. Every time we see a person healed, it's a miracle. It is heaven invading the earth. It is the power of God, the spirit of God, and the heavenly kingdom of God breaking into this realm of reality and manifesting itself. So, you know, people need to learn how to conduct uh, warfare, how to pray, and how to stand in faith against the wiles of the devil. And you're so right against the wiles of the devil, because the devil's job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy is not messing around here, and yet this cotton candy coma club. I mean, this little watered-down, lukewarm thing we've got going in America today is not going to cut it as evil ramps up. You need more than a motivational speech, folks. You need to get into your authority. I mean, look at the Pharisees and scribes, Augusto. You talk about this. They prayed all day to no avail. They were very religious, but they had no power. And when Jesus prayed, what did the disciples see? They saw miracles. They saw signs and wonders. And signs and wonders should be following us, the scripture says. And what did the disciples ask Jesus? They didn't say, teach us how to walk on water, did they? They said, teach us how to pray. The disciples noticed, here's the key word, when they saw Jesus pray, 
heaven really opened up, didn't it? Absolutely. When Jesus prayed, he manifested the kingdom of God on the earth. And he taught his disciples that. He said, when you pray, pray, your kingdom come. Okay? Your kingdom come. Every time a, a, a devil is cast out, the kingdom of God is come near. Every time a person is healed, the kingdom of God is manifested. Okay? This is what Jesus Christ did. He came to manifest the kingdom of God on the earth. So <clears throat> he, he was able to do that because he spent a lot of time in prayer. Okay? He spent a lot of time in prayer. A person that does not pray, he's not, that person is not going to have any power. There's going to be no power. It's like a battery that is run dry, is dead. A person that prays a little is going to have a little power. A person that prays a lot is going to have more power. And so now we're talking about power. We're not talking about uh, exousia, uh, which is authority. There's, there's a difference between power and authority. Okay. Now, every believer of God has been given dunamis, power, and authority, a certain level of authority to cast out devils. Uh, more authority comes and that is delegated authority, of course, from the Lord, more, the, more authority will come as the Lord begins to trust a person more, that person begins to obey more, walk in the higher level of authority, higher level of responsibility. So authority begins to increment in a person's life like that. Now, however, power, the dunamis, a person, a child of God can exercise that by fasting, by praying, and they're, and they're going to see miracles. This is why uh, you can see in the Bible, for example, uh, Philip, you know, he was an evangelist. All he did was serve tables, but he was full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is another thing that every child of God needs to, I mean, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This thing about, you know, just I'm just going to have a little bit of the Spirit. I'm just going to have enough of it, just, just enough to get saved. It, we have to go back to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, every born-again believer had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, when he went to Ephesus, what was the first question he asked the Christians there? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now, notice what the Apostle Paul said. You believed, okay? Yeah, I know you believed, because that's what most Christians say today. Yeah, I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I have the Holy Spirit. No, you have the, the, the first fruits of the Spirit, okay? You have the seed of the Spirit, but you have not been filled with the Spirit. You have not received the baptism of the Spirit. You have not received the dunamis, the power of the Spirit, okay? This is what the apostles, the 120, went to the upper room to receive. That is what they received, the tongues of fire, uh, the Pentecostal experience, the Pentecost. It came on Pentecost. That is where the word Pentecostal comes from. Okay, it's, it became a denomination, but that's basically what it was. They had received the fire of Pentecost, which means they spoke in tongues. They demonstrated that the dunamis, the power, the healings, and so forth and so on. Now, most Pentecostal churches today, they no longer walk in that, uh, in that power and doing them. I've been to many. And you, you, you barely see anybody get healed. You barely see anybody be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. You barely see any miracle signs or wonders. So they have become, again, uh, religious.
So we have to go back to the book of Acts. We have to go back to the book of Acts, the church that existed back then, because that is the church that walked in the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that church was able to turn cities upside down, literally. Absolutely. And I love what Jesus told his disciples. He said, the works that I do, you can do also, and greater works. He basically said, everything you see me do, you can do, and then some. In my name, you will cast out devils. Look at what the 70 said. Even the demons go in your name. I mean, this wasn't just for the 12 and the 70. This is for us. And you mentioned the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, Augusto, really, we should be living every day. It's really a field manual for daily living. I just want to read John 14, actually starting in 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, here in 13, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's powerful words, isn't it? Well, yes, the, the word is powerful. In the book of Hebrews, he talks about the, how powerful the word of God is. In the Hebrew, for example, let's, let's also read Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since then, the children are partakers of flesh and blood. He also himself, likewise, took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So basically here we're reading, Sheila, that the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, partook, okay? He partook of flesh, just like we, we did. So he did many mighty signs and wonders and miracles. And like you just said, you know, so very well, uh, he said, greater works than this shall you do, because I go to the Father. So we are basically being given the victory of the cross on a silver platter. All we have to do is implement it. You know, it's not going to happen by itself. This is another stumbling block right here that I'm going to share. People think that just because Jesus Christ did everything at the cross, they even call it the finished work of the cross, which I agree with totally. It is a finished work, but that finished work has to be enforced. That finished work has to be implemented. It has to be manifested. It's not going to happen by itself. And this is where many of these churches, they get on that bandwagon and they preach this kind of cheap grace that everything is finished. Jesus did it all. And it is true. It is finished. He did it all. But it doesn't stop there. Now it is our turn. Our turn is already to take what he has done, what he has given us, and implement it. That is, cast out devils, cleanse lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead. All these things were accomplished through Jesus Christ, his atoning work at the cross. So the Bible here in, in chapter 2, verse 14, Hebrews, literally says, through his death, through the death of the cross, he destroyed them. I mean, that is a, that's a powerful word, yes. destroyed him, that have power of death. The devil, the devil, Jesus destroyed him. He's, he's wiped out. His goose is cooked. He's, he's done. He's toast. And uh, the only reason that he's able to do what he does is through camouflage, through smoke and mirrors, 
through lies and deception, making people believe things that are not true. And so when the people of God wake up to this reality, when they wake up from their slumber, when they wake up from you know, their stupor, and they begin to realize, who am I? I am a son. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a priest and a king in the kingdom of, of God. I am a part of the firstborn. I am a part of the... I was called out of darkness into his marvelous light. I am a child of the living God. His, his spirit dwells within me. Greater is he that is in me than him that is in the world. He has destroyed the powers of hell, of the darkness, and of the devil. When that reality becomes real in the people of God, they will be like a sleeping giant that has awakened. It will be the most awesome power in the universe. And this is what the devil is terrified of. He is terrified of this happening because he knows even, even a handful of Christians, okay? It doesn't take thousands and millions. Even a handful of Christians, when they get on their knees and they know who they are, and they know the power that, do, that, that has been given to them and that dwells with them, and they exercise that authority, heaven begins to invade the earth, and the foundations of hell are shaken. Well, that's the way it was in the book of Acts, wasn't it? The apostles gathered together in a place, and they prayed, and it says that place shook. The place shook. Okay, now... <laughs> That wasn't just the apostles. This can happen today, too. But it takes that kind of conviction. It takes that kind of righteous living. It, you know, in order to do this, also, Sheila, the Christians cannot be pussyfooting with sin. They cannot be, you know, just uh, playing with sin and playing with, with ungodly things and living ungodly lives and cheating and lying and doing cussing and chewing tobacco. And No, they have to leave clean, godly lives. I'm not saying perfect. We're not perfect. We know that. In this flesh, we're going to make mistakes once in a while. We know that. But that is not a license to sin. We have to live clean, pure lives. And there, and there is a righteousness about that that manifests in this realm, in signs, wonders, and miracles. Let me explain it like this. When a person lives godly, righteous life, okay, pure life, that person prays, that person has a relationship with Jesus, that person has a prayer closet, that person spends time with the Lord, and then that person knows who they are. They're not just praying religious prayers, because there's a lot of people that pray religious prayers, and they just go through the motions, you know, and they, and they may pray even for a long time, but they're praying religious prayers prayers. They don't have this reality. They don't have this revelation. So they don't know who they are. They don't know these things that we're talking about. But when you have someone that does know these things and they pray and then, and then they live godly lives, pure lives, uh, holy lives, righteous lives, that person's going to have boldness. That person's going to have holy boldness to speak and things will happen. They will speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. They will cast the devil out, and that devil will have no choice but to leave. That person will speak to a disease and a sickness, and the sickness has to bow down to the name of Jesus Christ. So these things work, but they have to be done. They have to be done, and they have to be done right. And the person has to know their identity in Christ, 
and be able to execute these things like I was sharing. Well, you're right. You have to build your prayer closet. You do it by making it a habit. You know, prayer should be like breathing air. Prayer is a privilege, but it's powerful. And we should be, what does the Bible say? Praying without ceasing. I I am stunned at the amount of people that just go, oh, pray for me, pray for me. But we have the ability. We don't have to get Augusto or Sheila or a reverend or a pastor to pray for us. We should be praying. We should be spending time with the Lord in prayer and fellowship in our prayer closet. It takes 21 days to break a habit and takes 21 days to make a habit. If you do something consistently, it becomes a way of life, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. We are what we think. Okay? We are what we think. Our thoughts are very important. And it starts with our thoughts. This is why the Apostle Paul says we must renew our minds daily. That means daily we have to get a good dose of the Word of God. I mean, we have to get a good dose of the Word daily. We have to have that Word in us. And so, you know, it builds us up because it renews the mind. Our mind is what creates thoughts, okay? If we get our minds filled with junk, with worldly things, uh, that is what is going to impact us. Okay, we are impacted. We are, we are basically uh, controlled by what we think. What we think eventually comes out of our mouth, okay? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your mind, if our heart, if our lives are, is filled with the word, is filled with the things of God, is filled with God, okay? That is what's going to be a flowing out of our lives. And people will notice. Anyone that comes close to us will notice. This is why the scripture says in the book of Acts that those that saw the disciples, the apostles, they knew that they had been with Jesus because of the authority that they exercised. Authority comes from spending time with the Lord. So when we, what we think, eventually we say, and we begin to say those things, okay? What we say eventually becomes something we do. Eventually we do those things that we say. And so when we begin to do these things, day and day in and day out, these actions that we do become a habit. Habits are formed through continual doing them. By continually doing them, you form habits, okay? Habits that are not of God are called strongholds. There are good habits and there are bad habits. Good habits are formed like I'm sharing with you. But bad habits can form too. Now, when bad habits form, the Bible refers to those bad habits as strongholds. What is a stronghold? It is something that has a very strong hold on the person. It is like when a thief gets inside a house and he begins to rearrange the furniture and you don't even know why the furniture is all out of place in one specific room, not all over the house, but one room. He, that thief, that person, has taken over that room in your home. And so that room is not under your authority. It's not under your control. And that is a stronghold. You have a stronghold in that area of your life, in that room of your, of, of your life. It could be emotions. It could be, it could be uh, sexual. It could be uh, financial. It could be, uh, it could be anything. And so that area of the person's life becomes, it comes under the control of this um, demonic spirit. Okay? But it did, not begun, it did not begin by a demonic spirit, Sheila. It began by 
a habit. It began, actually, before a habit, they were thoughts that the person had. A person had thoughts, and eventually those thoughts began to um, be verbalized, those, uh, and those words that were spoken. You see, we, we eat the words of our lips. We can, with our mouth, with our lips, we can speak life or death, and that involves ourselves. We can speak good things to ourselves, and we can speak bad things to ourselves or to other people. And so those things eventually led to actions. Actions became habits, and habits can become strongholds. And then if a habit is done long enough by people in a the, in the city, let's say, then those, those habits, okay, become a culture. That is why there are different cultures in different cities, in different parts of the world. Those cultures were formed by the habits of the people that live there. So all these things is what make up the system that we live in. And, and you know, we have the power and the authority to change it, uh, but it's, it, it's not easy. And it's not going to be done quickly, but it can be done by the power of Jesus' name. Well, amen, the power of Jesus. But people have no power in their life, Augusto. All these emails that I'm reading, again, it's it really grieves my spirit because there's no power. You can't see a risen Jesus in their life. You can't see the power of the Holy Ghost. You can have a fan sitting there on a hot day, but unless it's plugged in, it's useless. And a guy said to me over the week that requested for prayer, a guy said to me, Sheila, pray for discernment for me. I said to him, get in the word. The word is a discerner. The word Uh is bread. It's our daily bread. What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? Living water. You have to abide in him, don't you? What did John 15 say? I am the vine and you're the branches. If you don't abide, if you're not connected, plugged in, you're going to rot. Yes. And in Second Corinthians 10.3 says, because we walk in the flesh, that doesn't mean we war in the flesh. We, we, don't, we don't do war according to the flesh. For, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so, you know, it says in verse 5, you know, you, you have to cast down your arguments on every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, this is the problem. A lot of people have thoughts that have not been brought into captivity. A lot of people let their thoughts wander, and they begin to think about things that are not proper. They're not uh, appropriate for a Christian. And so <clears throat> these, things, these thoughts have to be brought into captivity. In other words, when your mind begins to wander, you have to, you know, God is not going to do it. You can ask for prayer all you want, and we, you know, people can pray, and Sheila can pray, and I can pray, and others can pray, but that is not going to cut it. Eventually, it's going to come down to where the rubber meets the road, which is you. And that is, you are the only one that can bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Which brings me to the topic, uh, Sheila, that most Christians want just devils cast out of them. And sometimes that's not the problem. The problem is what I'm just talking about now. (laughs) I'm talking about arguments, thoughts that are in people's minds, people that are thinking all this stuff that they have no discipline in their way of thinking, 
and bringing those things into the obedience of Christ, and then all of a sudden they just allow the, their thoughts to run wild, and then all of a sudden, you know, their their minds begin to be bombarded by the enemy because the enemy is not stupid. He sees a person that is thinking these things, you know, and and uh, doing certain things, and so the enemy says, "Aha, uh-huh, okay," you know, and he brings this lure. You know, the enemy is a <laughs> he's an excellent fisherman, and he knows which lures are going to work on each person. That's and good. so he brings these nice, shiny lures, and he says, hey, look, hey, hey. And he dangles it in front of the person, and, and sure enough, the person's going to bite, and that fish is going to bite. And so this is very plain in the scriptures. The people, they just want it too easy, Sheila, be honest with you. I mean, I'm just calling spade a spade. They want things too easy. And this is the way, this is the fault of mostly of the church. In the old days, you know, people would go to a church and they would hear a message of conviction. They would feel convicted. They would try to change. And the power, if they tried to change the power, God would come and meet them there and help them to change. But God is not going to bring about the change himself. It requires effort from the person. It requires, let me repeat the word, effort. Without effort, we are not going to see this thing through. So we are to understand what we're being taught in the Word of God. You have the power, you have the ability, but because of your weak condition, okay, people that are listening to me, because of your weak condition, you are not able to enforce these things. You are not able to do this, and then you need you know, somebody else to pray for you. And that is okay. We, you know, we need to pray for one another. But... That needs to change. The person needs to come to the place where they begin to exercise their God-given rights. There's a lot of people out there that have received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. They have received the double portion. They have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. What are you doing with your double portion? What are you doing with it? Are, Are you using that double portion anointing God gave you? Are you using that dunamis? Are you using that power? Are you using that awesome name, the name of Jesus Christ, to fight the enemy, to stand your ground? Or are you letting the enemy just run roughshod over you? You see, these are the things that need to change. Well, and Satan knows he's defeated, sadly, more than most Christians. Augusto, many people are no threat to the kingdom of Satan, let's face it. And how do you become a threat? I think of that scripture, Jesus I know, Paul I know, you I don't know. Jesus paid the price. I mean, he took our sin to the cross. It was nailed there. He was crucified for our redemption. He paid the tab in full and he said, it's finished. So, To me, it's like a slap in the face to God for us not to appropriate what he did. I will bless the Lord when, what, it's going good? No, that's not what it says there in Psalm 34.4. It says, he delivered me from all my fears. He already did it, didn't he? We shouldn't be afraid of a car wreck. We shouldn't be afraid of eating the wrong thing. We shouldn't be afraid what's going on with the economy, what's going on with Jade Helm. I hear that all the time. I, Sheila, I'm so stressed about these FEMA camps. Well, I say you're magnifying the problem, not the Lord. It says magnify the Lord, not your debt. But you say, Sheila, you just don't understand my situation. It's bad. They say, oh, but my marriage. Oh, but my sickness. I say, how about the restorer? How about, oh, but the blood? 
How about Oh, but the healer? We got to get people's mindsets changed, don't we? Well, yes. That, that's the wineskin. That's the, the the paradigm. The their worldview. The way they think. The, they see the world. That is how they see it, and uh, that has to change. A child of God needs to be dressed to kill. <laughs> that means they need to be dressed for warfare. Like I've said many times, we are born into this life in, into warfare, whether we know it or not. We were born into hostile territory. Okay, This is a hostile world. There are troubles. There are things that come against us to oppose us, to kill us, to hurt us, to make us suffer. Many people don't make it. Most people, you know, uh, they need a lot of help to make it. And so we are born into hostile territory. So that's the first thing. People need to know that. Secondly, they need to realize that, you know, that the devil doesn't take captives. He doesn't take prisoners, okay? If you start being nice to the devil and uh, and hoping that he will leave you alone, forget it. <laughs> That's not going to happen. He's not going to leave you alone, okay? you got to fight him, and you got to fight him hard. And when you hit him, you hit him hard. And so you have to put on the armor of God, the whole armor, not just parts of it, the whole armor. And then that way, the scripture says in Ephesians 6, Verse 11, you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That means his strategies. That means the way he does things to get you where he wants you to. He tries to dislodge you from your secure place in Christ. He tries to take you away from your place in Christ. And then he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Take on the whole armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Well, this is an evil day. Sheila, we are living in an evil day. And then it says in 14, stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth. Okay? And having the breastplate of righteousness. Well, how do I put on the whole armor of God, Augusto? How do I put on truth? Well, let me bring you to someone that said, I am the truth. <laughs> he didn't say, I have truth, like Buddha. He didn't say, I will take you to the truth, like Mohammed. No, no, no. He said, I am truth. Okay? So if you want to be girded with the truth, you need to read the word of God, which speaks of God, of the Lord, speaks of his nature, speaks of his character, and you have to be filled with him who is the truth. That's how you put on truth. And, uh, and then say, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, doesn't the scripture says in Second Corinthians chapter 5 that he became sin for us on the cross so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? So we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? We have to put on Christ. In other parts of the Bible, Apostle Paul says, put on Christ. Okay? So basically there in one, in one nutshell, he said, put on the, the whole armor of God. Just put on Christ. If you put on Christ... You put on the whole armor of God. For example, the gospel of peace. Have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. People need to walk in shalom, in peace. They need to walk in peace with God first. 
then they need to walk in peace with one another. Okay? We need to have peace with the Father, with the Lord, and then we need to have peace with each other. That's why the Lord said, if you have ought, in other words, if you have anything against your neighbor, against your brother, against your sister, and you go pray, and you, and you bring me an offering, and you, and you want to worship me, leave that offering and go make it right with a person that has ought against you. Go make it right. Go repent. Go forgive that person. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he was right. It doesn't matter if what they did was wrong. You're not accepting what they did to you as right if you, if you forgive them. No. What you're saying is, I forgive them. I release that person to the Father. He is the righteous judge. He will judge according to as he sees fit. My place is not to do this. My place is to release. How do I release? By forgiving them. So that is how important this thing is. We have to release all art, all things, all hatred, all bitterness, all animosity against anyone, no matter what they have done to you. Well, I don't feel like it, Brother Gusto. You know, the Bible doesn't say if you feel like forgiving. The Bible says, forgive. It is a commandment. It is a law that the Lord says, this is one of my rules or my laws. You have to forgive. It is not, has nothing to do with feelings. These are things, Sheila, that people need to implement in their lives because if they don't, they're going to give an opening to the enemy. This is how he operates. He operates through smoke screens, open doors, camouflage, lies, deception. This is how he brings people into captivity. It is not because he's so powerful. It is because we are so stupid. That's the problem. Because we are, we are so ignorant of the enemy's devices. The Bible says it. I didn't say that. The Bible says it. He says, we, you are ignorant of the wiles of the devil. You're ignorant how he operates. This is why he does these things he does to you. He steals for you from you. He plunders from you. He brings diseases on you. He takes what's yours, and then you blame it on God. And so we put on the whole armor, the whole armor of God, and then we pick up the shield of faith. And we started the program with, you know, talking about the shield of faith. If your faith is strong, you raise up that sh the shield of faith, it says you're going to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Not just a few, all. That's what verse 16, Ephesians 6 says. All the fiery darts of the wicked one you will quench. And then you put on the helmet of salvation, you see. Again, it's all about Jesus Christ. You put on Christ, you put on the salvation. You confess with your mouth. I am a child of God. I have been saved. I have been redeemed. I have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. This is how you put on your helmet of salvation, you see? People need to do this, Sheila. They need to do this every day. They need, they need to do this continually. And if this is done, like I'm saying, people, I guarantee you, people will begin to walk in victory. They will begin to... Uh, see their lives being, uh, you know, set free. They will begin to see shackles broken, and they will begin to see blessings begin to come to their lives. They will begin to see diseases leave their homes. They will begin to see all kinds of things, all kinds of blessings from the Most High. The Lord wants to bless us, but He cannot bless uh, if we are in bondage, in sickness, in sin, 
And we are opening all kinds of doors to the enemy. Augusta, in the waning moments, I want you to talk about a very powerful event coming in May and tell our listeners about that. I'm going to be in attendance, God willing, and I want you to really talk about this very important and timely event. Well, thank you, Sheila, for allowing me to share about this conference. This is a conference that will be held in Florida, in uh, Live Oak, Florida, on the weekend of the 22nd, May 22nd, 23rd and 24th and uh, we have been doing these conferences in different parts of the country we did one in the northeast in Seekonk Massachusetts we did one in Idaho Caldwell we did another one in Houston Texas and this one is going to be on the southeast and so uh, make plans to attend I uh, we, we also sent uh, you know Sheila Zelinsky the information the, the, the flyer but you know it has all the information I would advise you come why do I need to come, Brother Augusta? Well, like Sheila was sharing, you need some things that can only be uh, received when you are in, per- in, the, in the person of, of the presence of God. And every one of these meetings that we have had, the presence of Almighty God, the glory of God has come into our midst. We have seen healings. We have seen deliverances. We have seen baptisms. Lots of people getting baptized in water. People com- completely changed, transformed. People that went back home completely changed, transformed. And uh, many of them filled with the Holy Spirit. So make plans to come because this is a Memorial Day weekend. I would suggest you, you, you do this quickly because um, the fares may go up. The, you know, the, the hotels may, may run out of uh, available rooms, all kinds of things because of the Memorial Day weekend. So make plans to attend. We'd love to see you there. Well, and who knows really how many more of these events we can do with the way things are going. And I like what you said, Augusto. Guy says, well, Brother Augusto, what are you talking about that I need to be there? It's not about what Augusto is talking about, folks. It's about what the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. will be conveying, what the Holy Ghost will be showing when his saints meet. And again, I just, I cannot, and I'm going to say this on air for the first time. I'm going to tell you right now, I have very seldomly in my life attended such a powerful time that I did when I was in Idaho. Obviously, because of your faith, God moves so mightily through you. And what a blessing it is, folks, to be able to see such a powerful, anointed man of God. Signs and wonders. I mean, profound things happen when people walk in faith. We should be walking on water and raising people from the dead. And I don't say that in a cutesy way. We should be Every single day, you know, I see women on with a broken hip with crutches and I just go right up to them and I say, hey, this is going to sound crazy, but do you mind if I pray for you? And they kind of look at you like, you know, three heads, but signs and wonders should follow. And that's a great way Amen. to lead people into, I'll tell you, I'll make you a deal. Guy sitting in a wheelchair with the tubes coming all over that told me he's an atheist. I don't believe in that stuff. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If my God doesn't heal you right now, then you can mock me. And I'll tell you that God works powerfully for those who have faith and those who really exercise their authority. Augusto, I'm excited about Florida. And folks, I want to just encourage you to come out to this. Find a way. Don't just say, oh, well, I can't afford it. You know what? Pray about it. Ask God to provide because what does he say in Philippians 4.19? And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's not just a cutesy phrase that's in there, folks. When you seek him first, 
all these other things will be added unto you. Of course, don't forget the righteous part of it, right, Augusta? People like to really, they like to quote that scripture all the time. But when you seek him and his righteousness, all these other things, God will supply these things. Augusto, what a pleasure and privilege to have you on today. Folks, again, Augusto's information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com, as well as the conference information. Folks, make this a priority. And shoot Brother Prez an email today and let him know you heard him on the show. Augusto, give out your website for folks that may not have gone there before. Sure. It's theappearance.com, just like that. The, T-H-E, appearance, A-P-P-E-A-R-A-N-C-E.com. That is our website, and you can reach us there. And, of course, there all our radio shows are there, and all the information on the, also is, uh, on the conference is there on our BTR programs. Well, again, Augusto, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Sheila. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Augusto. God bless you. Well, folks, that was Augusto Perez. His information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. Please do get out and attend that, folks. I'm looking forward to meeting everyone at that conference. Folks, we've got a great lineup this week. Tomorrow, we've got Greg Evenson. Nathan Leal is on Wednesday. We've got a great rest of the week, folks. Don't forget to like me on Twitter, Facebook, and sign up for my podcast right there at weekendvigilante.com. Thanks so much for tuning into the program, folks. And don't forget, this ministry is 100% listener-funded. So if you feel blessed by the show, Please do what you can. Good night and God bless you.